8.48. Now, Saudi Arabian journalist Jamal Khashoggi, a critic of the Saudi government who lived in the US as a permanent resident, went missing on October 2nd after visiting the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, has been a case that has mystified and horrified the world in equal measure. The Turkish government, through sources, has told the media the Saudi government sent an assassination squad to kill Khashoggi in the consulate. It's created a backlash with the French, German and UK foreign ministers releasing a joint statement calling on the Saudi government to give a complete and detailed account of Khashoggi's disappearance. Calling for accountability. Is there a, a lesson here, even for the uh, the careers, for example, uh, how we handle the danger of criticising dictatorships for journalists? Um, let's Bring in Zhang Huang, independent legal researcher with Law Credit LLC, to get up close today. Good morning. Morning, Alex. Can I ask you what do you think happened? Is there any way of un- unpiecing this? Well, first of all, uh, I think the, the it's a really grim story. First of all, and you know there have been additional leaks coming from the Turk- uh, Turkish government sources, sort of describing gruesome death that Khashoggi supposedly faced, um, even sort of discounting the you know whatever turkish sources might tell us i think the fact that both the us and the saudi government are now sort of media testing different ways to sort of you know uh, cover up the story you know there's a sort of rogue killer theory out there that president trump has mentioned as well as the saudi sources are saying that you know this was an inter- interrogation that has gone wrong given that these theories are sort of you know floating around i, I think it means that you know mr kashogi is very likely dead at this point we're hearing reports from the Turkish media um, that there are voice recordings from inside right. the Saudi consulate su- suggesting that Khashoggi was tortured and dismembered while he was still alive. I don't want to go further into the details over it's breakfast. Exactly, yes. But it's, it's horrific. It's. I mean, if you're a journalist, I mean, it really has to hit really deeply inside you. And I think that that is why it has resonated with a lot of media sources in, in the West, in the US, and in Europe in particular. Yeah. Without wishing to diminish anything from this case, what about those critics who point to hypocrisy, saying Saudi Arabia is um, culpable for thousands of deaths in Yemen, for example, and this is one man? I mean, it I think it's a valid critic. I mean, it really reminds me of a saying that's usually uh, attributed to Joseph Stalin that one man's death is a tragedy, whereas a million deaths is just a statistic. And, you know, the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, which has you know killed probably around 50,000 people so far and put, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in, in, in you know, starvation these days, haven't really turned the you know, public opinion against Saudi Arabia all that much until now and one journalist death has done that and even in, in South Korea we sort of have to you know sort of uh, you know reflect upon ourselves we talked somewhat about you know the 500 Yemeni uh, refugee seekers in Jeju but we really haven't focused on why the humanitarian crisis broke out in Yemen so you know the fact that the world has sort of turned a kind of blind blind eye on what Saudi Arabia has been doing in Yemen for the past four years I think it's a bit of a tragedy it just seems so brazen, this particular case. I, a, a well-known yeah. figure that they that they or someone felt they could get away with this. 
And and the government, though, has been still defiant. An opinion piece in the official Saudi news channel claiming Riyadh is ready to implement 30 measures without flinching the moment sanctions are imposed, if they're imposed, including cuts to oil production that would lead to prices rising to $100 a barrel. We're kind of the rest of the world being held over a barrel then. Exactly. I mean, basically, they're revisiting, you know, the oil shock in the 70s that, uh, you know, really reverberated. And especially from South Korean perspective, that is, you know, kind of a big threat. You know, South Korea is totally dependent on on, on, on foreign oil, unlike United States. And furthermore, you know, one of top South Korean exports is petrochemicals. So if the oil market goes up and, and Saudi Arabia is a very big player in the oil market, it is something that South Korea will sort of have to face in the medium term. Are we pushing it too far if we draw a parallel between what Saudi Arabia is doing and the behavior of North Korea? And if we even go closer, uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam versus Kim Jong-un? I mean, the parallels are there. I mean, we are talking about a young leader who has autocratic tendencies, who have uh, consolidated their, their power in their respective countries. They're in their early 30s. And, you know, just last year, you know, if you remember, you know, Kim Jong-un had his uh, you know, half-brother, older brother, Kim Jong-un, assassinated in Malaysia. That was a pretty brazen act. And now with this, you know, uh, happening to Mr. Khashoggi, sort of have to wonder, you know, like, you know the, the dictators sort of have a different uh, outlook on how they deal with criticisms and you know uh, the crown prince mbs has shown that he's really in no person who really you know tolerates dissent and i think you know the probably the same tendency goes uh, applies to kim jong-un as well i just want to issue a correction there because there was a typo uh, mohammed bin salman but uh, nevertheless um getting to the point here of the comparison would north korea be this brazen has north korea already been this brazen so Kim Jong-nam assassination in uh, Malaysia is some, something of a parallel. and But now we sort of have a you know, detente going on between North and South Korea. I think one thing we sort of have to, you know, kind of go, uh, prepare ourselves is that, you know, the North Korea is making no move towards becoming a democracy. So are they going to act, you know, kind of somewhat like, you know, the Crown Prince MBS uh, has if there are some criticisms about you know, the road that the South and North Korea are taking right now. And, I, you know, for the time being, we can hope that North Korea will refrain from t- taking actions that are as brazen as what uh, Saudi Arabia has. But I think the danger is really there. Coming back to the Khashoggi case, the status at the moment, U.S. President Donald Trump has asked for audio if it's available. Do you think we're going to get the truth? Well, the Turk, Turks seem to say they think that they have the truth. Um, I mean, there were some rumors about how Khashoggi's eye, uh, the iWatch was actually recording everything, but I think that was just a cover for the fact that Turkish government was actually having a surveillance, had, you know, uh, the Saudi consulate under surveillance, and it's very likely that they actually have the, the, the voice recording of what happened as, uh, at the moment of Khashoggi's death. But at the same time, I think, you know, the U.S., the Trump administration seems like they're are quite happy to sort of cover this up, you know, already media testing different theories about what happened. So, you know, I think the backroom dealings between United States, Turkey and Saudi Arabia are likely to be uh, kind of the final outcome of this unfortunate incident. It's uh, a case where we've been talking about hypocrisy of grotesque behavior of uh, complete brazen 
slandering uh, and slaughtering, perhaps. I mean, we do have an appetite for the truth, and that appetite stretches to the world. Hopefully that's enough to secure it in the coming days. Thank you very much, Zheng Huang, Independent Legal Research with Law Quant LLC, for joining us today. Thank you.